You're listening to Offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, depending on what time you listen. I guess the evening. It's another episode of King of the Fourth Quarter podcast. I'm here with my brother, Mike. I am Jim Quigley. He is Mike Quigley, and we haven't spoken to you in about a week or longer. And the Celtics have lost a couple games and won a few more. Um, Mike, a big one tonight in Philly. Um, you can stop wherever you want. If you want to talk about tonight's game, if you want to talk about you know what you've liked this past week, what you haven't liked, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah, really looking forward to tonight's game. Philadelphia is coming off a really tough loss last night against Indiana in the uh, in-season tournament. High-scoring game. Indiana pulled it out in the end. Miles Turner went bananas in the fourth quarter, scoring 17 points. Um, the starters played a lot last night for Philadelphia. So Celtics are getting lucky again. Second team in a row that they're playing on the second night of a back-to-back. So it should be interesting. I don't know if you saw, Jim, that Christoph Porzingis did pop up on the injury report with a knee contusion and is questionable tonight. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on. And then my reaction over the last five games since the last time we met, uh, definitely over these last three, I thought the Celtics offensively have been really locked in for the majority of it outside of maybe the first half against the Knicks. Uh, Again, you're just seeing it's really hard to shut down that starting unit when they're all playing. Uh, Porzingis has been playing at a really high level. Um, my concerns really come from. Hey, the can two we just games against... before? Can we go back to the Sixers matchup tonight, and then we can get to your concerns, just so we stay on subject. But um, just Mike, I, I I didn't know if you watched. Did you watch the Pacers game last night? I did. It was a great game. Was yeah, like so, highly entertaining. Yeah, big time. And it was the second game like that that they played and. Um, the Philly won the first game in overtime when uh, Tyrese Maxey scored 50. But, yeah. you know, Philly is obviously they're playing at an extraordinarily high level. They lost with, you know, the exception of losing last night. Um, Maxey, I think, is turned into a guy that's not just going to be an all-star, but probably going to be talking about him potentially being an all-NBA. And Bede is who he is, you know, just a you know top three player in the league, um, however you want to rank it. Um, and they're clearly they're better than I. We talked about this on this pod where we thought they would be better. I think they're better than I thought they would be. I don't know if you feel the same way. Just you know, their offense is much more free flowing. Um, Maxi adds a complete different dimension that, um, you know, Harden did not. Um, it's it feels like there's a lot of movement going on. Uh, teams, I don't think I've figured out how to really contain Maxi yet. I think there's concerns about trapping him um, and what that would mean for Embiid. And, and their defense is still solid, you know, as you saw against the Celtics. And what Nick Nurse is doing, it's almost a copy carbon of what the Celtics used to do with Rob Williams, where they are playing four guys switching and then Embiid is basically a one-man zone and doesn't want to leave the paint. And I thought that bothered the Celtics a ton last time. And I thought they settled, especially in that third quarter where I didn't count any paint touches at all when Embiid was in the game. Or if there was, it was like one or two. And everything was a three. And it wasn't good threes, in my opinion. They were kind of moving the ball around the perimeter. 
Um, there was no real action. There was no, you know, two-man game with Porzingis. It was just, you know, we're not going to attack because Embiid's there and he's a problem. As opposed to what I thought the Pacers did last night, where it was constant motion. Um, they were attacking off of every miss. Um, they made Embiid work, um, you know, with Miles Turner, who can shoot the three, or they were using him in pick and pop or pick and roll scenarios, as you mentioned, just had a great game and caused Embiid problems. And I think that's how you have to attack. And it's not going to be easy because if you're not making your big guys and making a shot, Embiid's not going to respect the pick and roll and he's not going to um, really leave the paint. And, and, you know, it, which causes problems when teams try to drive and kick because you don't have to leave your man because you got Embiid in there. But you saw what the Sixers did, their constant activity, their constant motion, their constant just pushing the ball, put pressure even on the Sixers team and how they want to set up their defense. And the Celtics have to at least attempt to attack it that way. And they're, they're definitely capable with what they have offensively and I just thought in Philadelphia a week ago, Mike, they really settled and they made it um, it easy for a really good defensive team to, you know, operate this scheme. And I, I just, I thought that third quarter um, and particularly that second quarter really set the tone for the loss. Oh, so I, yeah. I just want to see how they attack it tonight and, and you know, if they've learned well, from the Pacers and their own mistakes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't know how much we're going to be able to tell tonight as far as who's better be, uh, right now with the Celtics and the Sixers because I have a hard time believing that the Sixers are going to be at full strength, even if everybody's playing after last night's game. Similar to the Knicks earlier this week, where in the fourth quarter, the Knicks just had no legs. Um, I could definitely see that happening tonight. But I agree with you, Jim. It, it really started in the second quarter. It wasn't just the Celtics not attacking, just their whole mentality. They weren't ready for that game, and they weren't matching the Sixers' energy. When Paul Reed came into the game, everything changed. He was attacking the offensive glass. He was killing the Celtics on second-chance points, whether it was him or getting other guys involved. And from there, his energy just flowed through that entire Sixers team. And the game was over, I thought, at that point, because the Celtics just never matched that intensity, weren't ready to match it. And I think that's a really nice weapon that the Sixers have off the bench as a backup center. He's traditionally really has outplayed the Celtics when he comes into the game and just giving them problems with energy plays. And it was disappointing to see that you, you went to game seven with this team in the playoffs last year, and, and you, just weren't, you just weren't present. Um, and then at the end of the game, the Sixers did what they always do. They poo-pooed all over themselves, and they tried handing the Celtics a game to win that they didn't deserve to be in. Um, so as much as I believe in the Sixers and think they've changed and they're really good, I thought we saw some of the same stuff from the Sixers last night that we've seen in the past. Joel Embiid really tired at the end of the game, dribbling the ball up, turning it over, throwing the ball out of bounds. Um, just not having the legs at the end of the game. So I've seen a really good Sixers team, but I still, if I'm a Sixers fan, I'd be a little nervous that they're the same old Sixers with the end of that Celtics game and what we saw last night. And I agree with you, Jim. They have to come out and attack and beat tonight. They have to attack the paint. They can't settle for threes. 
They have to play the way they played against basically every other team this year, except the Sixers of Minnesota. Um, and Why when the Celtics Minnesota are, was that bad? Well, they, they attacked Minnesota, but Minnesota's primitive defense in the second half shut the Celtics down. Yeah, I, I just thought that's, it was, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think that yeah. was like Philly. And I want to I want to yeah. I want to touch on that in a little bit about the Minnesota game, but I agree with you about that. If they come out with the right mentality and they're attacking, they they should beat the Sixers. Um, and I think at the end of the day, something that's going to hurt the Sixers tonight too, and unfortunately hurt them for a little while, is Kelly Oubre was a really good signing for them. He's been shooting the ball really well, scoring at a high yeah, really level. And that's really tragic what's happened to him. Um, and I do think in the short term until he comes back, even though they looked good against Philadelphia, their offense is going to struggle a little bit because he was bringing that, really that third score to the team who was almost more reliable than Tobias Harris. Well, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a loss. Um, and he was playing well. I, I think he would have regressed to the mean as the season went on as, you know, a guy that would be frustrating to be, have on your team. He does, Word passes and in his vocabulary doesn't mean what happened to him isn't um, unfortunate and certainly hurts the Sixers. But I, I don't think it's something they can't overcome. I think they're talented enough where they can figure this out. Um, you know, I think maybe too much has been made of how good Kelly Oubre is. There's a reason why he only got offered a minimum contract. Um, his limitations on defense and, you know, he's kind of a one-trick pony on offense. Um, but no, well, I don't think it's been – I don't think it's been how good he is. I think it's been – how good he's been for the first nine games. Yeah. And I, I think my point is, I don't think that would have been something that would have been sustainable, it, but I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's that big of a deal either way, because I think this team's really good. The Sixers and um, whether it's Tobias Harris and Nick Platoon or whoever, someone's going to fill that need until they can make another move because their top two players are just so, are so good. Um and they're well coached as much as I can't stand Nick Nurse. So you can tell they're a well coached team this year. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the thing, you know, I, I know we mentioned the Celtics are fortunate playing teams in a back to back. And that's definitely the case. I think that obviously evens out throughout the year. Um, Mike, you were at the Knicks game on, um, I don't even remember what night it was now. Was it yeah, Monday? Yeah. Monday. And, I I just liked what I saw for the majority of that game, and I I know they were down for a bit in the first half, and I, and the Knicks were getting early rebounds and loose balls. But I thought the Celtics' defense throughout was really really good. Even the Knicks, the shots they were making were kind of like end of the shot clock um, shots. You know, there was a you know, kind of a drive by um, Hart there, and then. I'm forgetting the big guy's name, but he hit the one off the glass, and then they they let Josh Hart kind of Hart and sign. Yeah. yeah, they left. They chose to let Hart have open threes, so he happened to make his in the first half, and I think the Celtics were willing to live with that. But I I just thought, you know, when you had the Brunson shot there too, I, there was there was like 13 points there that the Celtics either chose to allow the Knicks to score. Or the the Knicks just kind of got in desperation, and so I, I just watched that first half, and then 
I, I thought they were in a really good spot if they continue to play defense like that, and they did. And, you know, I didn't know if you could feel that live, but I, I just oh, yeah. felt like that was as locked in defensively as I've seen the Celtics um, all season long. I've been hard on Peyton Pritchard all year, Jimmy, but his energy and his effort has been there all season. I mean, he's had way, way too many nights when the box scores is zero points. Yeah. But the offensive rebounding, and I really thought he made a difference in the next game with his on-ball pressure yeah. when he came into the game. Um, he outplayed Derek White, in my opinion. Um, um, I don't know about that. Derek this White, one game, defensively. The, the Derek next White game, was he did. Defensively, too. At least from what I saw. I don't know. If, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, I mean, Derek White had zero points going into the fourth quarter, and his defense was good, but Pritchard was picking up full court, and he wasn't missing a beat as far as getting beat off the dribble. Uh, and I thought he made a difference when he came in, especially in that third quarter. That's when the Celtics started to get their lead up to six. And then, of course, you know, the fourth quarter, the Knicks were just a nightmare. The other thing that was really impressive about the Celtics' defense is the Knicks had four 24-second shot clock violations, and they should have had a fifth one on that Hartenstein three. Um I also think a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah, I I also think a little bit of is is the Knicks are stupid. They're a dumb team, and the ball sticks too much. Um, as much as I love Julius Randle, when he gets the ball, he's dribbling at least seven, eight seconds off the shot clock every yeah. single time. And, and I don't, and I don't understand what what happened with that team because last year in the second half of the season, that's not how they played. They were one of the best offensive efficiency rated teams in the NBA. And I think they've really taken a big step back. Um, but I thought the bench played a big role in the Celtics win against the Knicks. I thought Hauser, obviously he's having a great month shooting the ball, but I think again, on ball defense, they were trying to attack him and all it was, was them wasting time dribbling the basketball. Um, so they played right into the Celtics hands. I thought the diamond press at times was a little messy with the Celtics. Like when they went straight up man to man or a straight up zone, it was a lot more effective. I thought that's when Quentin Grimes was able to get going with those three or four three-pointers he hit in the third quarter. But outside of that, I thought the Celtics just, their on-ball defense was really impressive against New York. Yeah, no, they did a really good job just overall defensively. And I, I think the other thing that ends up happening with the Knicks offense is the Celtics offense is so talented that once you get down a little bit, you feel like you need to score in every possession. And things just like the ball gets tighter, you stop pressing, um, you have individual guys try to do things maybe they they really can't do. And it, it just kind of, you know, things can spiral quickly. And especially when Jason Tatum has the fourth quarter like he yeah. had. You know, yeah. it, it was just a superstar performance. And again, it was one of those things where in the first half, he missed some shots, but I didn't feel like any of them were really bad shots. And I felt like he, he's just at a point right now, Mike, whether, you know, he's finding the ball for his teammates or I think he just knows he can get to where he wants and create space and find angles whenever he wants to and however he wants to. I, I I felt like the last few seasons, it, it was almost like adding things to his game, whether it was the step through, or, you know, experimenting with the post or the step back three, and things would get kind of clunky. 
as he was like kind of adding these to his game and he was filling out his body. I feel like now it's much more of like the great um, offensive players that we've seen in Boston, like Bird or Pierce, where they just know they can get to their spot whenever and however they want. And and they're going to be able to get their shot or make the pass that they want on their timeline. And I thought a great example of that was, you know, Josh Hart's a good defender. He was brought into the next God guys like Jason Tatum. And twice on the post, there was no wasted movement. Tatum just knew he could turn around and shoot it, and Hart could not contest it. He's just not big enough. He's not strong enough. There's nothing Josh Hart could do there to contest it. And all Tatum needs is a few inches of space to create for himself. And it becomes a clean look for him. And he did that twice. It it, it was no wasted energy. And it's the same thing when he was sizing up Mitchell Robinson on the three-point line. He just, you know, kind of shook his shoulders, got Mitchell Robinson leaning one way, and he was able to create that space for a three and got a wide-open three. Um, down at the corner, um, which really sealed the game, which was kind of one of those F you, I'm a superstar, this game's over moments. And I know exactly what I want to do. I'm going to exactly how I'm going to do it. And I could tell you right now beforehand, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. It's the only thing that's going to stop me is if I miss this thing. And that's, I just think the level he's at, and there's a, there's a certain patience he's playing with, and... um just acceptance that he knows where there's it's he's doing it with his head and his body and it it seems to be complete and for me the next step and i'd love to hear for you mike is you know when it's a close game at the end when we're in the last two minutes celtics up two or whatever does that continue on does he continue to play like this or does his head speed up and he makes some of those mistakes that he's made in the past because that seems to be like the last step, right, of greatness. That's what separates the Jordans and the stuff Currys from everyone else. It's, yeah, you can get to your spot wherever you want for the first 46 minutes. But when it's clutch time, uh, you continue to be able to slow that down. And I, I think that's kind of my last question on him. And, and, and you know, maybe that ha- maybe he's already there. Maybe it comes this season. Maybe it's next season, but it's going to happen. You can see, you can see the progression. It's going. It's eventually going to be there for him. Uh, you know, just interested in when that's going to be. Yeah, I think we've already seen it at the end of games. We saw it a lot last year in the postseason where he did take over and he was spectacular on the last possession or at the end of the game. I also think we've seen the bad side of him at the end of games too. And for me, it's always about the bad. So, so like Josh Hart's a great defender, but he's not at the level of an Anthony Edwards or a Jaden McDaniels in Minnesota. And I thought at the end of that game, we saw intense ball pressure right up on Tatum and Brown. And we saw the Celtics struggling. Um, And at the end of the game, there were times where, Edwards was on an island with Jason Tatum and having no issues at all. And it wasn't, I can just get to wherever I want. It was going to be, I might have to pass and cut. I might have to work for this. And I thought Tatum was settling a little bit. Um, And so I still think we have those instances where there's going to be great defenders like an Andrew Wiggins or what we saw in Minnesota where Tatum is going to struggle and he's going to have to be more creative with 
how he finds openings for himself and gets himself shots. Uh, I was really impressed with Minnesota's defense against Boston. That was one of the best regular season games I've seen in a while. I think that we've been, that's been kind of like a trend this year. The, the first game against Miami was like, oh my God, it's like playoff atmosphere. The Philly game, I thought Philly's crowd was tremendous. Um, and then, of course, the Minnesota game, it wasn't about the crowd. It was about the play. Uh, the, the Celtics came out ready. Like they were running on everything, fast break dunks. And at the end of the game, it just came down to execution. And unfortunately, Minnesota was a little bit better offensively that night than Boston. And I, I really thought that McDaniels and Edwards' per, perimeter defense on, on uh, Tatum and Brown were a huge difference in that game. And then I also just want to touch on um, just the decision Missoula made that we see it a lot with the Celtics over the year, last year and this year with him. Not so much this year because we haven't been in those positions, but at the end of games, he doesn't call timeouts. He trusts his team. And I think most people would argue that was a good shot by Jalen Brown. He got the three up at yeah, the end of that no fourth quarter yeah. against Minnesota. Um, I don't know how much I loved it because I think I would have liked to see something set up for Tatum not having Brown go after Jaden McDaniels. Um, they had time to attack the basket if they set something up, but you know that's what that's the shot that went up. Um, and then just one other thing over these last five games to touch on with Missoula. I wish he would take the guys out of the game when they're up. Uh, I forget which game they were up by yeah, a ton. No, that he, yeah, that was against Toronto, the, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then even against the Knicks, after Tatum hit that corner three, he kept them in for the rest of the game. Um, yeah, there was only like a and, couple minutes left. I, I, I thought that was... Yeah. But either way, he's only he only played eight guys against New York. And he's got Porzingis, he's got Porford, he's got Tatum, and he's got Holiday. That we got to keep an eye on those minutes because it has been an Achilles heel at the Celtics when they hit the playoffs every year that these guys aren't healthy. Well, um, the, the minutes have been haven't been bad because there's been so many blowouts this year. Um, so, and I didn't think they played hard minutes the other night against Toronto. So I. I think it was fine to go out and try to get this win with another night off in between. Um, I think in Toronto, he went deep into that bench. Um, I, I think he played almost 11 deep in that game. So it's a balancing act. And I, I wouldn't be, I think probably tonight, you probably see an eight, nine man rotation again against the tied team coming off of back to back. And then whoever they play next, he'll probably expand it. Uh, you know, that's just my guess. Yeah, you definitely want to keep an eye on it, though, because already you have Porzingis popping up on the injury report. Um, yeah, and that's a guy, they need They need him. Yeah, There is no banged, question about it. He banged knees on a layup last night uh, against the Knicks. I remember watching it, and, and, you know, he kind of ran towards the tunnel and then came back for the free throw line. Um, it was Julius Randle just went barreling down the lane, and they banged knees, I, I want to say second or third quarter. So... I mean, I, I, that's not a minute thing. That's just bad luck. Um, but yeah, no, you have to watch it. But I, I don't think it's been a real huge. I really don't think it's been an issue this year. The minutes. I, I think, you know, there's been at least three games this year where the starters didn't even come in to the fourth quarter. You know, um, because the lead was so big. Yeah, the you know, uh, you know the Washington game. Uh, the Indiana game, and I feel like I'm missing another one where it was just such a blow. Those guys didn't even, you know, make it an entrance into the fourth. So 
I hear you. They got to manage it. You know, um, they do it with Al on back to backs. Maybe they got to do it with Przingis on back to backs too. Play Al one game, Przingis the next, or vice versa. But um, I, I think it's an issue. Uh, look, I, I I think this team, with the exception of the Sixers game, has been playing at a pretty high level. I thought they just got beat in Minnesota. Minnesota deserved all the credit in the world. Anthony Edwards made some big time shots. And some big time plays, superstar plays in that game, and I thought that was ultimately the difference. Um, yeah, that's a different. That's a different Minnesota team. And tonight, what I want to watch is just, you know, obviously I want the win, but I want to just see a different mentality from them on both ends of the court. I want to see them, you know, protect the ball. I, I think there was one point in, against the Sixers where, you know, late in the fourth quarter, Brown had uh, more turnovers than made shots. Yeah, and I want to see them, you know, particularly on offense, play with a lot more energy. I I just thought, you know, we talk about the effort and energy on defense and Paul Reed and all that stuff. I thought the energy for the Celtics, their lack thereof, started on the offensive end and just continually settling and um, give up because of Embiid's presence. And I, I want that's the one thing I'm looking for tonight, especially against a tired Sixers team. Um, to attack them, attack them, attack them, and just have more of that championship mentality. But um, I guess that's what I'm looking for, Mike. Uh, I got to wrap because I I, I got to stop my work day. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. Yeah, I'd like to see more of the Drew Holiday posting up tonight, less of the uh, pull-up threes that are contested early in the shot clock from him. And my last closing thought is Draymond Green needs to get suspended for a long time. That guy's out of control. This is two games in a row he's been ejected, and he's out of control. I know that there was a fight in the middle of the court, and he can claim he was trying to break up the fight, but he, he was choking. He was choking the guy. Um, he gets away with way too much all the time. He doesn't play basketball. And the thing is, he's having a good season, too. Um, yeah. But we've seen, like, this. It, it's out of control. The guy's out of control. Nobody holds him accountable for anything. You know how many games Larry Bird and Dr. J got suspended for for um, choking each other and having a brawl in the middle of the court back in 1981? I don't know, Jim. Zero? Zero games. Yeah. <laughs> Neither one got ejected. Different world. Different world. All right. So, yeah, well, uh, I mean, Dray- Draymond Green's got a history of this. Kicking guys in the balls. Yeah. You know, trying to take LeBron James out of the game in the NBA Finals. He's a piece of shit. Yep. He is. Well, all right. He's a dirty player. On that note, we'll uh we'll talk to everyone soon.